And really, the only reason I was found was we have a stand-up morning meeting, and I didn't show up for the meeting. They knew something was wrong, and they actually sent a co-worker to my house. Um, they tried calling me. I didn't answer. Went to the front door. I wasn't there. He eventually made his way around the back, and that's where they could kind of hear me moaning or panting. Or, and then he eventually found me down there. And that's when they called 911. TJ Scanlon was raised in Medford, Massachusetts, a city about seven miles north of Boston. It has a population of about 60,000 and has a small town, tight knit feel. People who are from Medford often stay in Medford. They die in Medford and are buried in Medford. They're proud of where they're from and they don't want to leave. It's a smaller city, and it, I would consider it like a blue-collar type town. I mean, everybody was nice. You know, neighbors were super nice. It was We were always outside playing as kids. A very tight-knit group. I remember we used to shovel our neighbor's snow and everything. You know, always get stuff around. So it was, it was a good neighborhood. I, I loved growing up there. He and his sisters lost their dad in 2012. He says that this brought them, as well as their mother, even closer together, if that was at all possible. I have a youngest sister, Elise, who's two years younger than me, and I have an older sister, Kim, who is four years older than me. So I was the only boy uh, with two sisters. And we were all very, we still are, very, very close family. TJ was an active kid and an athlete in high school. He began running track freshman year, and that continued through all four years. He ran cross-country as well as indoor and outdoor track. He was the captain of all three sports his senior year of high school. He ran a lot and enjoyed doing it. It was, it was good. I liked the coaches. I, obviously, I liked running at the time, so it, it worked out well. TJ went to college for electrical engineering. After graduation, he was offered a job by Northrop Grumman, an aerospace and defense technology company. TJ was thrilled to be offered a job right away and a good-paying one. But he had to seriously consider the proposition of moving away from his family. The job was based in Maryland. TJ would have to move, out of state. He wasn't sure that that was right for him. So first thing I did was I went home that weekend and talked to the family. Oh, should I take it? Should I not take it? Should I look for something in Boston? You know, this is going to be a move. Ultimately, it was TJ's dad's encouragement that pushed him to accept the offer. He said he had a plan to return to Boston after working for the company for a few years. In the meantime, he worked as a field engineer, which allowed him to travel all across the globe, which he loved. He also enjoyed working with the military and felt it was an honor to support the men and women in the armed forces. On March 5, 2016, TJ started his day with a three-mile morning run. The average temp for Columbia, Maryland in March is a high of 54 and a low of 33 degrees. I was living in Columbia, Maryland, and there's kind of like an outdoor woods park that was about a half mile from me. So I had a pretty good routine where I used to go running in the woods. And that Saturday morning I got up, drove over there, I went running for about a three-mile run, came back and then I was meeting some friends for lunch and when I run I don't like to always have my keys on me so I kind of had a spare um, at the outside of the deck so after I ran I went to go meet some friends 
and then that night I came back home and I didn't have my key on me, so I was going into the back door, and the key is up on a windowsill. I went to go reach for it, and the dog startled me, the neighbor's dog, and I ended up falling um, down, and I fell over the deck, and I fell to the left instead of to the right, and I fell down into the cement staircase. Now, when TJ says he fell down, he's glossing over a significant fall he took down a set of steep concrete stairs that led to the apartment's basement. His roommate was away for the weekend, and so no one knew that he had fallen or that he needed help. When TJ didn't report to work on Monday morning or answer his phone, his boss sent a coworker to his house. His coworker found TJ at the bottom of the stairs, barely alive. He'd been outside, unconscious, in the cold, in only a t-shirt and shorts. He had sustained an injury to his head, his spinal cord, and his leg. He was med-flighted to the shock trauma unit at University of Maryland. During the flight, he coded, but was revived with CPR. And when I woke up, I was in the hospital in the shock trauma ICU. And I found out I had a spinal cord injury. It left me paraplegic. For the first week after he was rescued, TJ was in and out of consciousness. He doesn't remember much but the sound of his family members' voices. I remember my uncle's voice saying, you know, it's okay, TJ, we're here for you. My uncle Larry and my aunt Nancy, I remember their voices saying, it's okay, we're here for you. When TJ woke up in the shock trauma center, he learned he had suffered a significant spinal cord injury as well as extensive tissue damage to his legs, fingers, and hands due to hypothermia. He required a left leg amputation above the knee. He believes that although the hypothermia caused significant damage, the cold during those days helped to preserve his brain, his heart, and his other major organs. The spinal cord injury he suffered, called a T1-SCI complete, is located fairly high on his spine, meaning he can't feel anything from the chest down. He was told he would never walk again. I wanted to figure out, like, what's the next steps? How am I going to move on from this? How am I going to get back to work? What what am I going to do? I was traveling a lot. How is that going to work? You have a thousand bots running through your head as you're hooked up to a thousand machines. It may sound surprising, but TJ's knee-jerk reaction to learning that he had lost a leg and suffered an injury that would prevent him from ever walking again was to get back to work. He was almost immediately driven to learn how to adapt around his injuries, even before he had healed. But I knew Northrop was handicap accessible. There was already people in wheelchairs there before that I had seen. So I knew that was going to be okay if I could get myself to that point. And, you know, my manager and co-workers were pretty much right on there for me and said, yeah, of course, the job is yours. Just get yourself right and come back whenever you need to. And that was kind of my starting point was, okay, well, I know it's handicap accessible. I know I can get in. So I just got to do what I need to to get myself there. Prior to his accident, TJ had seen his company be inclusive of staff with physical disabilities. He knew that they could and would be willing to make accommodations so that he could continue to do his work once he was cleared medically. He felt wholly supported by his coworkers and his boss, and TJ feels that that went a long way towards his recovery. I remember even from my hospital bed, I was YouTubing videos of, you know, how people were living independently in a wheelchair. I was watching videos of that before I was even out of the ICU. 
What is it like being given that news, that news that you'll never walk again after being a young, healthy person? Uh, yeah, the first night it was hard to take, but I think after that I just I had a way of accepting it very quickly, and I was going to move on from it. There was nothing in my mind that was going to change that. I was going to move on. I was going to get back to living an independent life. I knew my family was going to be there for support the whole time. And like I said, Northrop was good. And I think knowing, having that sense, knowing that Northrop could adapt to a lot of it, it was a big part of it. So there, there's a lot of people who aren't in that situation who can't go back to their jobs. And, and I knew Northrop, I, I could do that. TJ remained in the University of Maryland shock trauma unit for nine weeks. He endured several surgeries. His amputation surgery was unsuccessful after his leg went septic. He required a second, higher amputation. He was eventually medically cleared and ready to step down. In May, TJ's sisters advocated strongly to have him moved to Spalding Rehab in Charlestown, Massachusetts, after his discharge. TJ describes rehab as an intensive focus on helping him relearn daily living skills, such as getting dressed and getting himself around. TJ was completing three hours a day of therapy in addition to other therapeutic activities each week. He was in physical therapy and occupational therapy. He was fitted for a wheelchair and spent the next four months learning how to live with his injuries. He learned how to grocery shop, how to drive a car, how to make changes to his physical care routine. TJ also met other men and women living with spinal cord injuries, people that had also adapted their lives to continue living as independently as possible. He met a man who had his van and home outfitted to accommodate his power chair. He and his wife still ran their own business. He met people full of hope and inspiration. He kept in touch with the first responders who came to his home and rescued him that Saturday morning in March. I thought I just looked at it like, okay, well, you know, I, I can do these things. I'll, I'll make it work. After rehab, TJ and his sister got an apartment together close to Medford. He enrolled in outpatient therapy as well as a program called Journey Forward, which gave him more physical therapy each week. TJ's short-term disability ran out after six months, so his company allowed him to come back to work on a part-time, remote basis to help ensure his benefits stayed intact while he continued to recover. TJ explains that being able to work part-time and knowing that he could return to work once he was ready went a long way to keeping him in the right frame of mind to continue pushing forward. But it, it was great to just being able to get back to work. I think the biggest thing is I've been very lucky with work is, and a lot of other people's spinal cords who were able to work, I think, would tell you that it, it's really good for the mind. It just kind of puts your mind at ease. It's, it's not running a thousand thoughts a day like you can when you're, you know, when you might not be doing that. TJ was eventually able to return to Maryland and work full-time which was his number one goal from the day he remembers waking up in the hospital. He eventually was able to secure a power wheelchair, which was a big deal, given that insurance doesn't cover power chairs unless the person is deemed quadriplegic, meaning they don't have the use of their arms in addition to their legs. It seems that TJ acknowledges that life is more challenging than when he was able-bodied, for example, dating. When selecting a place to meet, he has to make sure it's wheelchair accessible. Traveling, especially by plane, is much more complicated and, in many instances, just too challenging right now to take on. But overall, TJ sees his injury as something that he feels capable of adapting to. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on disability language? There's, there's been a lot of focus in the past couple of years around, you know, 
people living with injuries, people living with conditions, are they disabled? Do they consider themselves disabled? Should we be changing the language around that? What What are your thoughts? Good question. I don't know if I've ever put um, a ton of thought. I, I would pretty much say I classify it as, yeah, disabled or a person with a disability. Um, you know, I took you on SCI and I'm certainly not going to walk again, so I would say disabled in that sense. Um, but there's obviously a stigma around you know, how people classify it and all the great things disabled uh, people can do and sports stars. And, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I pretty much say yes and disabled. TJ builds his day around three things, his job, his family, and his physical therapy. He works out constantly, making sure he can keep his body as healthy as possible. He participates in intensive rehab sessions four times per week. He says he's constantly amazed at how far he's able to push his body, given the severity of his injuries. Good, good wise is the body continues to amaze me. I go to the gym four times a week now with PT, uh, one-on-one PT sessions at this, again, I feel blessed that everything has kind of progressed for me and everything honestly seems to work out. And I think having a positive attitude certainly helps that where you know, things just kind of start to go your way. You start to kind of get breaks and I knew I was getting back to work full time and I wanted to work out and continue to progress the body and, and just things I never thought I would really be able to do. And the body just continues to amaze me in that sense of you can still make recoveries and you can still do a lot of really amazing things, even with your level of injury. And every, honestly, almost every day, the body surprises me in that sense of how far, how far we can push our bodies without realizing it. I think it's the biggest lesson. You have an awfully, um, optimistic outlook for somebody who's had such a life-altering experience where where does this come from where how how has this happened for you what do you where where are you what are you pulling from in order to keep going yeah and maybe it's just in the way i was raised but i yeah i kind of just had that mindset honestly from before i was even out of the hospital bed of i'm gonna make this work i'm going to live my life going to get back to work, I'm going to drive, I'm going to do most of the things I want to do. Um, certainly I had that level of acceptance of, yes, there are things I can't do and things I won't be able to do, and that's okay, I'll, I'll find ways to make it work. And, you know, I, I had my support of my family, which was always a really, really big thing. Uh, obviously in the engineering field, you know, that, well, there, there's no problem that can't be we always knew we could make things work, and my mom and dad always had that outlook of, well, we can adapt. We can adapt to anything. We can make things work. There's always a way. We have each other. We have family. We were always so close that we knew between the five of us, we'll, we'll find a way to get anything done. What advice would you give to someone who may have suffered a significant injury or who maybe finds themselves having lost the ability to do something um, that, that most people are able to do. What, what would you say to those people? When I first got to Spalding, there was this sign that we used to have. We used to make in therapeutic rec and everybody could kind of make what they want. And 
one of the first ones I got to when I was at Spalding said, you get bitter or you get better. And I think there is a ton of truth to that. That's not to say people shouldn't uh, reflect back on their injuries or people shouldn't, you know, question why things happened. But I think at some point to move forward, if you're going to get bitter, you're going to get better. And for me, what that meant was I'm going to look forward, not backwards. And that can be hard at first, but the injury happened. And the only way I was going to get better was by moving forward and kind of having that attitude of I'm going to move forward, I'm going to get better, I'm going to continue to live my life. And for new people, I would kind of say that there is certainly a period where we all reflect back on our injuries. But if you go too far down that, that's all you think about it. I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen it where it can consume people of their injury and why did it happen and how did it happen and should things be different. And there are certainly questions that can be asked. But to move forward, and I think that's, I honestly believe this is why so many things have worked out for me. I have a very positive look and I'm going to just continue to fight to move forward and see, you know, see what the sky is the limit. Just going to continue to continue to stay positive and push myself forward, and everything else will fall into place. Today, TJ continues to live in Maryland and works full time. He travels to Boston often to see his mother, his sisters, and his friends. He shares a story of triumph with others and continues to move through life with a level of optimism and strength that I can only describe as superhuman. The accident happened. I'm going to move on still going to live an independent life. Still going to get back to work and still going to do the things I want to do. And for the most part, honestly, I, I really have it. Right now, the body surprises me every day where it continues to do things I didn't think would ever be possible. Here's what I would say was created by me, Kate Kletzis. Audio mixing, also by me. Music for today's episode provided by Sam Gregg.